that actually pushed us both towards better places during this time. Yeah, like that's true. For you, it was the postpartum struggle, seeing me struggle with lack of uh, employment and how hard that is for family, you needing to step up, you trying yeah. to fit that in during all these other crazy things going on. And in this time, I find myself too, but it's just crazy that all these things happen during a time we would look back and say, this was one of the hardest parts of our life. This is Pros Talk Pregnancy, the no BS show that's not afraid to get real about all things pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and beyond. I'm talking with visionaries and game changers who are challenging the status quo and changing the world one pregnancy and one birth at a time. I'm Lindsay McCoy, mama four, lover of the mountains, seeker of knowledge, exercise physiologist, birth doula, and childbirth educator. Basically, I'm an all-around pregnancy and birth nerd. My passion is making pregnancy, childbirth, and recovery better and empowering professionals and families alike. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Pros Talk Pregnancy Podcast. Today, I am joined again by my amazing partner, Matt McCoy, for our fourth and final birth story. Final, final. <laughs> so it's been fun yeah. to share kind of our journey. And so if you haven't listened to the last three, please do, as really, this has really been an evolution for us, I would say, huh? Yeah. And uh, as we go along, we can talk about it more. But I was just saying to you while we were planning this, I don't remember this one as much. Mm. And I think we found some reasons why. And that will be interesting to kind of uncover on the partner side. But if you don't hear me talking as much, that is why. Oh, we're going to get into that. Yeah. So I think the, the first um, thing to premise this birth story is we didn't talk yet about the postpartum experience with our third baby. And that impacted this experience a lot for sure i think so um for those of you who don't know um it's a whole episode in itself navigating that journey but 10 days postpartum my mom who is was she's retired now was a labor and delivery nurse her entire career something made her come over to our house that day and she wasn't really sure why i mean besides the cute new grandbaby of course but something led her to come over the baby was um, bubble of peace. The baby was modeled skin. There was there were signs that were let's just say it was a slow very progression. Very and even my mom was like, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm being stupid, but I think you should go in. If I saw this baby, you know, at work, I would ask someone to check it. And it ended up, um, you know, we went into the children's hospital and it was ended up being saving her life. She was in congestive heart failure and then she ended up having open heart surgery at two and a half months old. Basically 2012 was a very challenging year for us. And, um, I think it, it changed us in a lot of ways. Yeah. There's a lot going on that year, uh, both with, with, you know, June postpartum and then daughter's name is June. Yes. That was third baby number three. And then there's also a lot of, uh, work stuff going on for me, job transitions, a lot of stuff we can get into as we progress to this story. Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah. So basically you stopped working at the job you're working at around sometime in that pregnancy. Yes. I either needed to commit to a whole nother like school year. So like September through like May, 
or I needed to opt out. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to serve in that capacity that long. So I decided to quit and I ended up having five months of non-employment time. So during that time, I was very busy and just not as... And really um, trying to depressed. find a job. Yes, depressed and struggling with June stuff, struggling with job stuff. And so the only reason I feel like that's important to bring up is as a partner, not you can't always have your best self at, yeah. in every given moment. Yeah, for sure. And we all have hard years. We all have hard stuff. So how do you show up as a partner when you're struggling? Yeah. Um, I'd say for me, I had to make it about kids, the baby, you. Yeah. And I was having a hard time making it about me. And so I had to just kind of put my worth in you guys until I could find myself again, which I did. Yeah. Yeah. And you really came out of that. So, um, yeah, let's keep going. And I think that'll just kind of sprinkle in as we go through. Cause it makes sure as it makes sense. So first things first, not first things first, but another thing to note about this birth is we weren't really sure after baby three, if we wanted any more kids, that's true. We didn't necessarily feel done. But we also didn't necessarily feel like, hey, let's go for baby number four. Yeah. And then we got pregnant with baby number four. Yeah. So um, that was a different shift in our first really unplanned pregnancy. Yeah. I think we had always kind of uh, took taken the approach of, well, let's just see once the la- when the last one's born, we'll see if we feel like we want another one. And the spacing and all that was just yeah. natural for us. Yeah. That's how we did it. But yeah, this is the first time I think we were like, oh, do we want a fourth kid? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we weren't sure. And we had trauma mm-hmm. from that third. So, but we were very excited when we found yes. out and felt very um, happy. And now we're just, you know, it took us a while. I think that's important for people. I think sometimes people feel guilty if they feel like anything but elation mm. with the positive pregnancy test. And that's not the case for all of people. And that doesn't mean you don't love that baby. Exactly. And it doesn't mean anything, but it was something to wrap our heads around Yeah, because it was a stressful year for us anyway, with your job things. And I was really working a lot. You know, this was really BRM didn't exist how it is today, but I was teaching this work basically full-time. I was teaching the childbirth classes. I was doing tons of one-on-one work. I was going to tons and tons of births. Mm -hmm. And so this was really me, my biggest like BRM pregnancy. While it didn't exist, I was doing the work for my own self. Yeah. And I think you were extra motivated to really start putting the pieces together that you've been building for years because you saw me struggling with my career and trying to switch things up, trying to find something new. And you really stepped in to the BRM stuff, I think in a a extra way because of that. And it really excelled from there. Yeah. So I think maybe that's just showing that things can come out of struggle, right? Mm -hmm. And yes, BRM wouldn't be what it is if it wasn't, I wasn't, I was motivated by the mission. I was also motivated in like, Hey, I need to make you stepped up big income for our family. Yeah. Cause there was a period of time where there wasn't a lot coming five, in. Yeah. Five months where I had nothing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And lots of kids and a yes. mortgage now. Yep. So it was, it was a tricky time, but we, 
we're a great team. Yeah. And we did great. So, so we were really struggling with, um, what to do with this pregnancy when we had our previous baby have a severe critical congenital heart defect. She was doing great. She was still breastfeeding at the time, actually. And that's another thing that I would end up breastfeeding through that entire pregnancy and then tandem for another long period of time. And so lots of breastfeeding. So everyone told me that I was going to go early because I was breastfeeding and thinking how late I went with baby three, you can listen back on that story. And then I was like, Hmm, I don't know, maybe I will go early because I'm breastfeeding. There was a lot of unknowns. We also, um, decided to hire a different home birth midwife this time. Um, not cause we didn't love our previous midwife. We were just needed something different. Yeah. I think after all of that medical stuff we had gone through, I was looking for someone a little bit more on the cautious maybe medical side. And I don't say that when I say that people are going to think, I mean, like I'm looking for like an OB who just wants to manage birth. And it's not like that. I just wanted more testing and more different things that this other midwife could offer. We had also become friends. She was very into the type of movement work that I was doing. And so I just, I just chose a different experience at, at that point. I'm friends with all the local home birth midwives. And there was half a dozen that I would feel confident having as my midwife. But so I chose this one. Um, and I, it was great. You know, I would, the, I think another difference here with you is that you weren't able to come to the prenatal visits Not every in the same one. way. I was able yeah. to go every week before. And I think I had finally found a job that I, you know, was having to drive an hour to get to. And I think I just was time. Yeah, it was time. Exactly. And so maybe I think that's another reason why you're like, I feel more fuzzy about this birth, even yeah. though it was the most recent is that there is, you know, sometimes partners have a nine to five, they can't make time to go to the visits. It doesn't mean that you weren't present in the ways mm -hmm. that you could be present. It was just different. Yeah. And so if you find yourself in that situation as a partner where you're just like, time is what you're struggling with. The things I did to try to keep in touch was I asked questions when I got home. Like, how's yeah. the appointment? Tell me, yeah. tell me things. And I did get to go to some. I made it a priority. I think they even scheduled a few of them on weekends so that I could go. Yeah, it's so tricky. But you just have to make an extra effort. Yeah, yeah. So it's not an excuse. Like, well, I'm not, I'm just busy. Well, yeah. And you were busy and you were really struggling mentally. And yeah. you still found yeah, I was really depressed during those years as well, just struggling on and off. So that was another piece of it that I had to deal with and, you know, put the baby in you ahead of that, which I was really good at. Um, I just took me a little couple more years to do it for myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you can, um, beautiful things can come even for through, sure. through the tricky, challenging parts of the journey. For sure. So what other, other things happened during that? Oh, I did. I, we have some notes because with four babies, you kind of sometimes forget what happened at which birth. So this was when I was like, I'm pregnant. This is the perfect time for me to film a program. So I was like, what is now the body ready prenatal postpartum? I really wanted to create, I knew what I wanted. I knew that it needed to happen and be put in the world and that there wasn't anything like it but I didn't exactly know how. Yeah. And originally it was me shooting videos in our house yeah. of, of you doing the, the exercises. And it's amazing to think that it, where it went from there very, yeah. very quickly. Yeah. So actually we filmed the videos and 
you know, you think you're going to be really motivated when you're pregnant and then you're pregnant and that's a lot of work, <laughs> but we did it. We filmed some videos and I watched them and the audio quality and the video quality. I'm a, I'm not a perfectionist, but I had a vision of what I wanted it to be. And it wasn't that. And so I think we we're just like, blah, F that. Like, yeah. I was like, I know this is going to happen, but this is not it. I wasn't quite the production quality <laughs> she was looking for. <laughs> so I will say that I think that what was put into motion during that pregnancy, we didn't film any content that we ended up using, but what really came from that was I started manifesting a business partner or something. I didn't know that I was manifesting a business partner, yeah. but I was mentally putting what I wanted into the world or into the universe, however you want to say it. Mm. And it would happen in the postpartum period that Lauren O'Hayan, who is my business partner um, and also owns Restore Your Core, would call me. And basically what happened was, I know this is beyond the birth, this is post-birth, but I just want to finish that part of the story. Part of the story yeah. yeah. So so she so I was basically like, I want to do what you're doing, but for pregnancy and birth. And we talked a while. She's very generous and amazing. We love her. And Eventually she was like, why don't we just do it together? <laughs> I have the infrastructure. You have the pregnancy birth stuff. Let's yeah. just do it together. And so that was the start of why, how all of this came to be. Mm. Um, but it kind of started with this, this birth and this pregnancy. For sure. And like you have said before, there was quite a few things people would name as negative that actually pushed us both towards better places during this time. Yeah, that's like true. for you, it was the postpartum struggle, seeing me struggle with lack of uh, employment and how hard that is for family. You needing to step up, you trying yeah. to fit that in during all these other crazy things going on. And in this time, I find myself too. But it's just crazy that all these things happen during a time we would look back and say this was one of the hardest parts of our life. Yeah, yeah, it was. And we, you know, we could have allowed it to push us apart. Yeah. You know, when, when one partner is depressed, it can be really hard. For sure. It was really hard, mm -hmm. but somehow we were able to not, it wasn't always easy, but we were able to come closer together by the end. Yeah. Yeah. We, again, we would communicate um, yeah. when we weren't sure. And again, like asking about the uh, stuff about your appointments. It was not yeah. just the baby stuff. It's everything. This just happens to be a podcast about the birth part. Yeah. And so, so you, during the, that pregnancy, it did get a job. I did. The nine to five job. An hour away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it wasn't an hour away yet. We moved. Yes. It was like 30 minutes. It wasn't close. Well, yeah. So you were gone it for, worked. yeah, yeah. you were gone for a lot of the day. It was, you know, a full, full-time employment, which was good. Um, this was also the time when you, because of kind of your depression and your struggle with a lot of different things, you started what literally just got released this week. So I want to just yeah, it's put crazy. it out there. It's crazy to think about was that many years ago. So eight years ago is about what we're talking about here. I started making notes on a novel because I was looking for meaning where I wasn't finding it. And we don't need to get into that too much. But over those eight years, it finally is was is released currently. And yeah. yeah. So Death of a Songbird by M.R. McCoy. You can buy it on Amazon. Yeah. Just plugging it here. It's really good. And it's because it's fiction, but it also walks through some of the dark parts of your life and what I've learned, what I learned. I yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. So anyway, there's that. So that also that yeah. part of our journey, cause it's a big part of your journey. Yeah. The groundwork was laid during, again, that challenging period of our life. So, so we are working through that pregnancy. Another really fun thing about that pregnancy was, um, I was really plugged into the birth community. Mm. And so this was the first time I had 
kind of a blessing ceremony where a lot of birth pro friends, we all got together and everyone would bring a bead of meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone would bring a bead of meeting. And then my good friend, Adrian Caldwell, who's also a body ready method faculty and amazing body worker and educator. She put the necklace together Mm. and Laura Hanstead, who is also an amazing body worker and doula. Um, she brought, there was a bunch of hosts. They're also amazing still. Um, she brought a plant and then they would have everyone write an affirmation on a card that they would kind of put with some string and they would hang it all over the plant. So I don't know if you remember that was Mm. placed in the birth space near the tub. I do remember that. Yes. We had that. And then I wore the necklace, which kind of helped me remember all the people surrounding me and supporting me. And so it was really beautiful. I hadn't really had that in the last three that I felt like I really had a community this time. This episode is brought to you by the Body Ready Method, our game-changing, interactive, fully online course for perinatal and birth professionals who want to elevate the way they serve their clients. We teach you how to help your clients prepare their bodies for a more functional pregnancy and efficient birth and teach you what to do when, during birth, through the lens of birth biomechanics. Gain confidence and new skills to support your clients. Sign up for the waitlist for our next cohort at bodyreadymethod.com. Yeah, and now as you say that, I, I'm remembering things and remembering I was feeling really alone and not, not having a community and things at that time too. And just even though I'm the partner staying on the side, just watching all of that was letting myself be open to that not thinking it instead of thinking, Oh, that's weird. Or what's this weird <laughs> stuff going on? I'm like, you know what? That's beautiful. Yeah. They're showing support in a way I wish I had it. And they really are supporting me too. Yeah. I'm part of this. Yeah. And so I was started to engage and it kind of opened me up a little bit and honestly kind of helped with a little of the, the, pre- the depressing thoughts too. So like as a partner, this birth time, isn't just for the person giving birth. It's for you too to realize people care, people are invested. Yeah. The doula community is amazing. It is. So birth, all the birth pros. We had so much beautiful support and I, it was really beautiful to see talking support, how people who we didn't even think like when, when it was funny because postpartum with that third baby, those first 10 days, I was like, Oh, no one's signing up for our meal list. Like I feel so like people think by baby three, you just have it figured out and don't need support. Honestly, I need more support. And then the baby got sick Mm. and then everyone started supporting. And I just want to say like, you deserve support, whether your baby is sick or not. And it felt weird to be like, oh man, now we're getting all the support. But even still, I will say, I'm so grateful for how many people stepped up and brought meals and offered support and things like that. And so I was really going into this fourth birth, feeling that support and grateful that we had that community. And now that community continued to kind of show up for us in that third birth through a lot of different things. So we actually, it was hard for me to pick a doula. Mm -hmm. So we had three planned, (laughs) we had three planned out and it was this whole, Hey, if you come to my birth, it was a trade. So I was like, I'll go to your birth. You go to my birth kind of thing. They were all friends that were doulas. So we had Laura Hanstead, Jessica Anderson, and then she didn't actually end up showing up because she's far away and things happened. But we also had Erica Gunderson, who's no longer a doula, but an amazing human as well. And so, um, so it ended up, let's, let's get to the birth now. So again, remember everyone said, oh, you're going to go early. You're still breastfeeding. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and, and the baby was very large too. This is oh, the we're, biggest, wait, yes, the wait, biggest wait. you ever got. Yes. We're not white. We're not quite okay. to the birth yet. Okay. okay. So 
We're still at the early, we don't know yet how big this baby is. Yes, I had a big belly. Yes. My biggest belly. So we can show that maybe in the show notes. I had a very big belly. And it was funny because all my other bellies were not super big. And everyone, the midwives would always say, I think this baby's pretty small. Mm -hmm. And then they'd end up being over eight pounds. And this one, the midwife didn't say that. They said, I think this is going to be, I don't think she said anything. She said like healthy. A healthy Healthy size baby. yeah. Yeah. So, so we go, you know. 40 weeks. Okay. This is normal. I'm used to getting to my guest date. Actually the day of recording today, this was our guest date, March 23rd. I didn't even know that except thanks to Facebook time hop that I, we used to back then everyone posted everything as a status update. And now it's helpful because I know this was the baby's guest date. Although sometimes you're like, I posted that just yeah. seven years ago. Whoa. Super cringy, <laughs> but Hey, Facebook's changed. Yes, it, has. it was like, when, do you remember when it used to be like, is oh something yeah. like like the, the status started with is like yeah. Lindsay is feeling yep. those are the most cringy, <laughs> but anyway, so we, um, went to the guest state, which was today. And you know, that's pretty normal. I've never gone before it. Then we went to 41 weeks and we're like, okay, this is also normal. We've been here before. How long are we going to go? And I will say that I made sure that I hired a midwife who was comfortable with me going to 42-ish weeks, knowing that I had gone past that in my previous birth. Yes, we're going to monitor. Yes, we're going to continue to watch things, but I wanted someone comfortable. Another things that we chose to do, we like we said, we wanted a little bit extra monitoring. So we had a level two ultrasound. We really wanted to make sure that this baby's heart was looking good. Even though the heart defect our third baby had was not, they didn't say it was genetic necessarily. I just still felt more comfortable if I'm planning a home birth. I just want to make sure that we've checked everything just from my past. And so I felt really confident. And if I hadn't felt confident, I would have made a different choice, right? Because it's not like we think everyone should give birth at home. There are reasons that you need to give birth in a hospital. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say it made me feel more comfortable too, because it helped me know the baby and mom were both healthy. We're both health, uh, healthy. Yeah, exactly. So we, we were aware of that, you know, and we, um, now are at 42 weeks. Mm. So we wake up the morning of 42 weeks, even so 42 plus zero to, I had waves. I was doing hypno babies again. So I was having pressure waves is what we call contractions. And it was about 6am. So I was like, okay, this is clearly it. You know, they're very regular. You know, I woke up a few of them. Okay. I'm going to text my team. I looked at the time, made sure, okay, I think most of them will be awake by now. Of course <laughs> you don't bother yeah. anyone. And so please bother your birth worker, by the way. They're waiting around. Don't be a people anyway. pleaser like me. Yeah. yeah. So I texted everyone, let them know this was likely going to be the day woke you up. I think pretty much immediate. You're like, no, they need to come. Yeah. At this point, I could tell by looking at you about where you were at in the process, just and, because I know you well. And I think I remember saying. I don't know if we should call them to come yet. It's not that hard. I'm like, I'm not doing this again. We're calling them now. Yeah. (laughs) And I said, I feel them in my butt. Do you remember that? I said, I never feel my contractions ever in my belly. I always just feel them in my butthole. That's what I I told you. I not remember that. Okay. I don't know why. I remember it because now looking back, knowing if that's where I feel it, my baby is coming close, Mm. is soon. Like if you feel it in your rectum, your sure. baby's probably very low and you're probably going to have a baby soon. So think of this as 6 a.m., 6.30 probably ish by now. I'm like, everyone, I just feel it in my butthole. And you're like, all right, we're calling 
It's not something I normally hear at 630 in the morning. And, <laughs> and this is what you said. You're like, I, I don't know why I remember this vividly. I don't know what I said to you. Maybe I said like they're this far apart and I feel them here, but it's not that hard. And you say, Lindsay, you say this every time I'm calling them. It's clearly time. And you just made me feel okay about it. Like, no, you gave me permission and you validated me mm-hmm. of like, this is it. We're bringing everyone here. Yeah. So everyone got there. Well, the two, two doulas, two midwives got there and they kind of just let me be. I mean, they monitored me. The doulas were really great at kids with the kids. Yeah. yeah. So the doulas, I'm not a person that needs a lot of um, typical doula support. I mostly want to hold your hand and have everyone leave me the F alone, yeah. <laughs> but, um, they were really great. That's why doulas are great at doing what's needed. And so they were helping with the kids and they got the kids breakfast and the kids really wanted to be a part of this experience. We also had a birth photographer, um, come as well. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of really great photos, not a lot of video. I know one of the doulas took video and I've actually then lost the charger to that crappy old video camcorder. Yeah. So maybe someday I'll, I'll figure out if, if I can get that off that camera. Cause I still have it. Um, and so what happened was, you know, everyone got there maybe around seven, seven 30. I'm not sure exactly when everyone got there and baby was born by eight, 13, 13 AM. So it was quite fast. I hopped in the tub similar to the other time. Um, and took me about I looked on the notes, it was 10 minutes of second stage or pushing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the pushing for me is really kind of not delaying the pushing, but breathing and allowing. I do a lot. I get a lot of the fetal ejection reflex, which is my body is just pushing and I'm just along for the ride and I'm breathing and allowing that baby to ease out more mm-hmm. easily. And then you helped catch. Yeah. And I will say I could, I could know, even I could notice the difference in her breathing mm. when she would shift over to that. And that's partially what I would listen for when I knew, okay, she's getting close. People need to get here because it's kind of works up. Yeah. To yeah. Yeah. For sure. And I teach doulas how to assess people. You should be able to look at a birthing person if you're a birth probe, not necessarily a partner. You yeah. just it's got just really I, good. I just know you. you this know is me. our fourth birth. So. Yes. I couldn't so, do it for someone else though. Yeah, but birth pros should be able to observe the process and know a lot of different signs to, to know where in the process this person is, even if they're a quiet, what I call tricky read like me. Mm-hmm. I'm quiet, so I'm a tricky read. Sure. But you can read me because you're my partner. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So everyone got there, which was great. We didn't have an unassisted birth. We wanted our team there. Everyone got there. They were there very, you know, not very long. Baby was born after about 10 minutes pushing, born in the call, just like our third. Yep. And I got to catch it. And I didn't see it again. So you got to see it because I was on my knees. Yep. And actually, I don't think our photographer got an image of that either because as the baby was being born, there was a wall of children watching. Oh, yeah. There was. (laughs) They were all very excited. So our kids are very into it. I love that we've normalized birth for them. And even after that birth, they all gloved up and inspected the placenta with they did one of the midwives. Yep. And then we were all sitting on the bed um, with you kind of in your postpartum mm. stuff, you know, like the pad you need to set out in your tea, you're like, you all know, the things they all give the you. things. And then the kids are all just jammed right around. And we have a picture of it sit on the bed. Yeah. And we also have a picture of everyone on the bed, like the whole birth team too, on the yeah. bed. Yeah. And we did it. We did a champagne toast. Mm-hmm. We kept wanting to do that. We finally remembered this birth, even though it was 8am, we had a champagne toast. My mom brought over um, Panera bagels afterwards for the team. Um, it was just really cozy. You know, a couple of extra things that I will say that I did with this birth 
um, that I didn't do with previous ones. So I got really bad after pains. Mm. I don't know if you remember that, Matt, I got really bad after pains, especially baby three, but baby two. Yeah. Like the, the after pushing. Yeah. It's like you, yeah. you so your uterus contracts down after you're done. And while the birthing process and the contractions of birth weren't that painful for me, the after pains were, it was like, I, I lost my coping strategy. Yeah. I do remember you saying that they hurt more. Yeah. I was like, this is why people get epidurals. If my birth was like this, oh my goodness. And so I did a lot of prep work with my body to help minimize that. And so maybe that's a story for another day, but I definitely think there's things you can do to help with that and to help the uterus to contract down more efficiently. Mm. So it isn't so painful. So I can say I was very worried about that for this fourth and it was not as bad. And I mm. think it has to do with um, some of the posterior chain work I did, um, different type of fundal massage that this midwife did. Um, I think breastfeeding a lot more helped, mm. you know, I was breastfeeding that can release oxytocin to contract the uterus down. So there's a lot of things I did. And I can say that this fourth birth, the after pains were better. We also did more, um, kind of testing of the baby. Yeah. And so it's not an actual thing, but I asked for a pulse ox oximeter monitor of the baby. And they, it's a, it's a, something they taped to the baby's toe just to check her blood, ox his blood oxygen levels at that time. Um, there is after that third baby, what, what came out that hopefully now most, almost all hospitals do because it's simple and easy. And, um, I got a lot of the home birth midwives in my community to get in on board with this screen as well. And it's the CCHD. It's the test for critical congenital heart defects. And it's at 24 hours. They will just it's a sticker on the baby's toe attached to the pulse oximeter. You can be breastfeeding at the time. So it's very non-invasive and it's very helpful. It won't catch all heart defects, but it can catch some really critical ones that need pretty quick um, responses. response. Yeah. yeah. And so, so we did that. They do the hearing screen. A lot of these things, when we first started having home birth, home birth midwives did not have access to. And so at 24 hours old, I would have to go in. I remember, I think it was baby two. We had to go into the ER a couple days after birth to request the metabolic screen. Mm. And they shamed me and acted like my baby hadn't had any medical care, which they had. It was just my midwife wasn't able to offer that. Mm. So now midwives are able to offer that. And so the metabolic screen, they came to my house and did from the bed. They did the CCHD screen from at home in the bed. They did the hearing test from the bed. Mm -hmm. Everything was done from our home. We didn't leave our home. And they brought all the instruments they needed there. Everything. Yeah. You know, they bring postpartum Pitocin. If someone needs that, they bring all the things. Yeah. And so it was really, um, I don't know, just something we chose this time that we really, really liked. Yeah. And I was thinking while Lindsay was sharing all these things, um, I didn't really think about it until just this moment. The, one of the things I did as a partner that I would suggest all partners to do, especially if you have a typical nine to five job mm -hmm. is it took me several months of negotiating with HR yeah. to get as much time off as I possibly could, because I knew, uh, one postpartum United States does not give you anywhere near enough time for that. And I knew my support was going to be needed. It was going to be a hard time with, you know, that's a lot of kids. It's <laughs> a lot of kids. And we just had a hard postpartum with the baby Third. three. Yeah. And so fight for it. Fight yeah. every week you can get. So that is a really good thing to bring up because you paternity leave at where you were working at the time was one week. Mm -hmm. And our midwife had to write a note basically saying, 
that I had extreme mental need for you to be home based on what happened with the third birth, but really like everyone needs has the mental need for their partner to be home more than a week. And there was, so you got two weeks when they got, when I got my second week rejected and I even said, can I take sick time? Cause I didn't use it. No, no, you can't. So then we went the route of saying mental anguish because it was a mental strain, but we shouldn't, you shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to do that. And I, it makes me so upset when people think it's just like, oh, it's a vacation. It's a party. Okay. You come with a newborn and you see how much of a party it is. Yeah, (laughs) It's a party in a different way. It's a no sleep kind of party. Yep. But well, I think (laughs) you're not drinking. What's that extra week get you? It gets you a whole nother week of catching up on naps for the person who just gave birth for bringing them their food to their bed. So they don't have to get up and walk around when they're not ready. There's so much to do in a week. You can do in a week, extra week. And let me just say, maybe even in closing, because I want to say that you freaking rocked at supporting me, even through your one of some of the hardest years of your life, because um, yes, 2012 was hard for both of us. 2015 was really hard for you. You were even at kind of at your heaviest. You can look in the pictures. Yeah. You were really 60 pounds to 70 pounds heavier. Yeah. You were really, you were struggling, but you showed up. And even though you worked a nine to five, which was, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'd come home, you would hold the baby and, oh, we forgot how big the baby was. The oh, baby ended huge. up being nine pounds, one ounce. And I'm like, a size zero. Yeah. I'm tiny. And so it was a big baby, no tearing, beautiful birth, loved it. And now this baby got big, very fast. We called him Reese the beast. Yeah. By three months, I swear he was 20 pounds. He was, and he was huge. And it was, and that postpartum period was very hard on my body and my mind because lots of kids tandem breastfeeding two of them. And you would come home from work every day and I was done. And you would take the baby and hold the baby and cook while holding the baby. And I have a lot of photos of you holding this chunky, beautiful little baby in one hand and cooking in the other safely, of course, yeah. but you really stepped up and I didn't cook. And actually I still am not our cook. That's I, when you started being our cook. Yeah. I do love cooking. So yeah, but I was our cook for so many years and I just mentally couldn't do it. And people would be like, wow, you're six months postpartum and you're still not cooking. No, I can't. I can't even imagine. You're eight years postpartum and you're still not cooking. You cook every <laughs> once in a while, but for fun, yeah. you're good at it. You're good at it. And Yeah. It's just separate. I think sometimes people think of like, these are the stereotypical women roles. These are the stereotypical male roles. And we have just kind of flipped that script in our family. Yeah. Just whatever makes sense is what we do. Like where can I help? What am I good at? Yeah. So I think, um, as you can see, we've really grown Mm -hmm. through these four births. We were really growing up together during all of this. Yeah. Because you're you're changing as people during all this too, not just bringing people into the world. You're also changing as one. Yeah, yeah. And um, I love our fourth birth experience. I love who we were as people, just trying our best. Hmm. We're very different than we were back then, but I just feel gratitude towards the former versions of us. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Even though that was a struggling time, I I see where he was at myself in that time. Yeah. And I'm grateful that he stuck with it and found ways to contribute and to continue to love his family and to be the partner that he was. Yeah. So So if you're in a similar place than we were, hopefully this was beneficial. Um, And I look forward to continuing to serve you on this podcast, in our social media platforms, in our programs. 
please reach out if you have a guest that you want us to have on this podcast. If you want to come on yourself, maybe share your birth story. And we look forward to supporting you further. Thank you for listening to Pros Talk Pregnancy. We are passionate about making the childbearing years better. And as professionals, when we work together, that is when we see the greatest shifts. Is there a topic that you would like for us to dig into with an amazing birth pro that you know? Or do you have a question around pregnancy, birth, or recovery that no one has quite yet been able to answer? We want to bring you the topics that you want to know about. So please submit a question, topic, or guest suggestion for the chance for it to become our next podcast episode at www.bodyreadymethod.com slash podcast dash submit. See you next time.